It's April 20th. Do you know what Rob Van Dam is? Because I don't. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Two Words Podcast. Oh, my God. Ah, these are fun. These are fun. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Two Words Podcast. My name is John, and with me, as always, is my tag partner, Radio Matt. Radio Matt, how are you doing? I'm sick, bro. You're sick? Well, that's that's fun. You know what I'm sick of? Hmm. It's been 891 days since uh, Fight Forever was announced. <laughs> that's almost as long as Roman Silent. Um, by two months. <laughs> Roman Reigns is in August of 2020. Has really? been un- yeah. Has it really been that long? We have been waiting both times. And on day 891 of waiting for Fight Forever, uh, we are discussing our favorite what-if scenarios, because that's our two words, what-if, mm-hmm. um, uh, based on the, uh, I, I guess, uh, fat, fun Marvel... Whatever they do, they did, they did for the comics first, for the comics, uh, and, the then comic, the, and then the and then the TV kinda, show, kind of DC um, Elseworlds type stories. DC Else, Elseworlds was fun. <laughs> yeah, Elseworlds was, was fun. Elseworlds was so much better than What If to me, <laughs> but that's yeah, just what me. If, what If was good. What If but, What If in the MCU was fun. That was but, a fun. And it was, but we're we're doing our own What If uh, because we have some questions of things have been just. A little bit different, but first, hey yo, RJ City revealed on the Talk Is Jericho podcast that David Arquette was in talks with WWE until the Nick Cage light tube incident, where he almost murdered Nick Cage. Oh right. Um, I, I was I was thinking, what happened in WWE with the light tube? But yeah, right, no, Nick Cage. Ca- he, he was. He was. Yeah, he was doing his thing. About uh, so RJ City and David Arquette were doing <coughs> uh, a lot of tag team work, and they were filming. Uh, whatever the documentary David Arquette did, it was like, you know, too too dumb to die or something like that. <laughs> whatever the I forget what it's called. Um, <laughs> too Arquette, too furious. Too Arquette, too furious. <laughs> <laughs> Scream, scream five. This time, David Arquette really is dead. Um, no, but he really, uh, he, um, he had basically made this thing like, we're going to do this documentary and I'm making it into the Royal Rumble and that's going to be the end of this documentary. Right. And RJ City was like, okay, but you could also <laughs> be all this other stuff. And, uh, they said they had kind of, there had been some talks, um, about him doing some different stuff, and then uh, he accidentally almost killed Nick Cage yeah, in a forgot all in a street fight, uh, and that kind of went out the window. Yeah, I would assume so. But I mean, 
Rey Mysterio is still on the roster. Rey Mysterio. He's got he's in the whole did thing. kill a guy. <laughs> I feel bad sometimes saying that. <laughs> I know. It's become a joke, and that's kind of sad and yeah. kind of on us a little bit. But a little bit. I mean, a little bit. it's never talked about. You know? Things, yeah. It's, 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 it was swept under the rug. But that was Mexico, man. That that's was... true. It's a different world down there. I don't know. Was that his fault that they didn't wind up? I mean, you have to kick a guy. I've been hit in the chest really hard before. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what the... I know it was... I know it wasn't just the impact. <laughs> he was acquitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, yo, WWE talent is upset and paranoid. So last-minute changes continue to happen before shows. This past Raw had multiple backstage segments planned featuring the women's roster, including one that they had already filmed, and they were all scrapped minutes before the show started. Uh, This has been occurring since WrestleMania, after having not been a thing since the beginning of Triple H's reign in creative. We have not had last-minute changes to Raw. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, all of the confidence superstars had been uh, had have been having. I'm sick that I mentioned that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, has been dashed uh, with little confidence in their storylines anymore. None of these changes this past week have officially been attributed to Vince because Vince wasn't there. But they have been. I mean, it's the era of Zoom. There's, As, no, you know, there's no, no reason he couldn't have been there. You call know, people. Virtually. But the huge changes to Raw after Mania were Vince's fault. Uh, and so it's hard not to think Vince is still getting into the weeds. Uh, but the other option is that Hunter might be scrambling. Um, because word is the the draft that's coming up is supposed to be like this big reset. With the idea that Triple H is... Hopefully going to be fully in charge of the storylines. So we'll see if that happens. Maybe it's just trying to put last minute things into place. I don't know. It does feel very (coughs) scattered. Yeah. Whereas everything before had a had a structure to it. Yeah. It still feels very scattered. Now this past Raw wasn't so bad. Yeah. It had some cool moments. Trisha's whole evil speech was great the the uh combined villain you know connection thing with the judgment day and the bloodline yeah was fun yeah and new like there, there were some highlights but it's just the the talent backstage is just on on the edge right on now. edge yeah i get it i get it i get it uh hey yo wwe has apologized for using Auschwitz concentration Ooh, camp I image in the wrestlemania preview show and that was not like the 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 the, the pop-up i expected when it buzzed in my phone <laughs> i was like oh um because i guess when you google image search prison you you have to be a little <laughs> little leery of everything yeah. that pops up yeah guys <sighs> Um, also WrestleMania related, um, Gunther versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. There was a total of 75 blows delivered, which made it literally big meaty men slapping meats. Uh, speaking of WrestleMania 39, hey, yo, Stone Cold didn't make it to WrestleMania 39 because he was busy filming a new reality show, Stone Cold Takes on America. For the months... Uh, What's he been doing for the past 20 years? For the months before the event, uh, he was pitched another match, uh, but he only had a kettlebell and a sandbag on the road. 
with only about a half an hour a day to work out, which would not get you ring ready in time. Uh, apparently, there were not any other pitches for just segments that didn't involve a match, so mm. he skipped out. That's smart, though. Like you got to think about just how how smart he's just like, nope, I can't. I can't. I want to. Yeah. I and, can't. And as much fun as it would have been to see him there, having him come to the very next WrestleMania after he got to like have almost two yeah. matches, essentially, yeah. one full match and one fun segment match. Good matches. Yeah. Um, to have him just show up to do nothing. Uh, it would be a bit of a letdown that fast. Yeah, yeah. I think if he shows 100%. up next year and does nothing and just you know stuns everybody in the ring and and drinks a beer, we're gonna love it. But yeah, I mean the guy's fifty eight. You got to give him a little, <laughs> give him a little time. He's a spry fifty eight year old. Sure, yeah, he looked great. Um, he looked great you know, last year. So yeah, no. Um, <laughs> hey yo, something I never thought that I would say before. Uh, John Morrison beat up Harvey Morenstein from Epic Meal Time in a <laughs> by way of knockout in a boxing match at Creator Clash Two. Uh, Which is apparently Clash. just nothing I've never something I've yeah. never heard of before. It's just a bunch, of YouTubers, a bunch of YouTubers beating each other up. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> the first I, one was very popular. <laughs> I'm sure this I, one was too. I couldn't believe it. And he had like, like he came out and had like, uh, you know, Karrion Cross was there with him. Mm -hmm. And I think like Seth Rollins was there. I mean, they too, make it a big like, deal. They make it a big deal. That's amazing. <sighs> yep. Hey, yo. Uh, AEW is going to have their own hard brand split. They'll be launching okay. a new Saturday show called AEW Collision, which uh, initially was just going to be like a throwaway show. It's going to be another AEW Dark. It's just another chance to get you know some of the lesser talent, talent out there. Out there. But that has changed. This is now going to become like another Dynamite because this is the show that will feature CM Punk as the big star. CM Punk okay. is officially coming back. He is going to be headlining AEW Collision. But the reason that they're splitting the roster for the show is not because the roster is too big, though it probably is. It's because there are a large number of AEW talent that refuse to work with CM Punk or <laughs> even want to have him in the locker room at the same time. So the Saturday show will feature talent that are still okay working with CM Punk, but this is weird, right? Yeah. Like, is CM Punk worth all of this extra hassle? Wait, I mean, I, and I love <laughs> CM Punk too, but like we made it almost 10 years without him. And while that whole time people were chanting his name and wanting him back, yeah. then he came back and we're like, okay, you know, maybe, oh. <laughs> maybe I guess. we're good. Maybe we were good. I just, you know... <laughs> We got to figure out a narrative here because either everybody loves CM Punk or nobody loves CM Punk. But for whatever reason, like, it depends on who you ask. Because, yeah. like, if you ask, uh, you know, Dax Harwood, he's like, oh, yeah, no, CM Punk. Everybody loves CM Punk. He's the greatest human being that's ever walked the face of this right. planet. No one, will, no one will say that there's a split. He he found the King James <laughs> manuscript <laughs> and translated it for us. He is he is the everything. Mm -hmm. But you're gonna you're going to that's so much money. Yeah, that's yeah. so much money just to get one dude happy. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see, interesting to that's, watch how long that'll last. So 
crazy. Well, hey, yo, Nick Khan was asked if uh, they're going back to the traditional pay-per-view, and he said, eh, maybe. That was really all he said. He, he said that uh, he gave some reasons why getting away from the traditional pay-per-view um, format was good for them because all this money was getting paid per view, yeah. but most of it was going to whatever company they, they had put in charge of doing it. He said, we could put on our own pay-per-views with you know Endeavor or you know ESPN Plus or whatever, and we would take home all of that money. And so he's like, he's like, I don't know. Right now we're in a good place. That would give me a reason to give ESPN plus. ESPN. Yeah. Get that that full bundle, baby. Get that. Yeah. Get that. Get the, get the Hulu live. (laughs) We turn it on during football season. It's the only way I can watch football. Um, and then we immediately, uh, turn it off after the super bowl. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, and I have one more to you. I don't have another one, but I do have a thought, but I'll save it for after. Well, I mostly have a thought. Okay. Um, hey, yo, uh, and I have not seen the uh, season finale, but um, we've made it through an entire season of Mandalorian. We have seen more of Mercedes Monet, formerly known as Saja Banks, and yet she has not spoken any more than she did in really? the last single episode. Wow. <laughs> She's had like two lines the entire season, but she's been in the background of like four episodes. Hmm. Why are you paying all of this money <laughs> to just have her in the background? Wow. It, it reminds me of that scene. It, there, and I bring it up all the time. There's a scene in the movie The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. And uh, Terry Funk is in the background of one of these scenes. He doesn't have any lines. He doesn't do anything. He's literally peering over the shoulder of another person. <laughs> like, you paid him for that. Yep. <laughs> Why? Why? Um, okay. I, I wanted to make, I, I've made a realization. In the entire time that you and I have been doing this. Okay. And bringing in new stories, which has been, I think, all of season three and season two, and is this season four? I don't remember I where we're at. We're on season four or five. But anyway, all the seasons, and most of season one, because we started doing this, I don't think there's been a single time that you and I have come with a matching story. Because we don't run these by each other. We're just like, both yeah. of us bring, yeah. bring stories, and, you know, bring new stories and, yeah. and rumors and whatever to share. Do you recall a single time we've had the same one? There were a, there was one time. It's been this season that I had I, one that you had. You I, I think it? that I had, and you were like, "Oh yeah, that." Oh, because it was I like I still don't think I had it. It was like a major news segment. Ah, uh, okay. I'm but just, still, yeah, I'm no, just still we, impressed how we don't tend to overlap almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's <laughs> it's pretty amazing. If it's happened, I think it's happened like once or twice, yeah. but. You know, the it's, odds seem like it should happen more often. Yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, how do you, so how do you find your stories? Well, I don't want to tell you because I don't want to risk it. <laughs> <laughs> I will Mine's tell super you, I, easy. I just like scroll social media and I screenshot headlines okay, and then I, I go back that. to them. I go to a couple different places, but I only do it like in the hours leading up to us recording. Yeah. So I know I have some very fresh stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that is. You would think that we would have more overlapping stuff, right? But <laughs> no, anyway, somehow, somehow we've 
we've made it happen. <laughs> um, uh, but I think next segment, we are going to have some overlapping ideas. Um, and so when we return, we're doing a mock draft. So keep it here. Hey fam, this is Hector Mirai, and you're listening to Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I'm a big fan of the idea of a live-action Ahsoka TV series. I love the character, love her in Mandalorian, love her in Clone Wars, love her in Rebels, just chef's kiss all around. And once they announced this show was happening, you know, we all started saying, oh, we want this person cast for this, and we're, we're excited maybe they'll cast this person. And... You know, I've I heard all the casting rumors forever, and but you know what? I I don't really need a uh, you to sell me on who's being cast in the show because I'm gonna watch it regardless because it's 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 what I want. And um, when the trailer finally dropped after Star Wars Celebration UK, I saw the trailer. I loved the trailer. I shared the trailer. I, I talked about it with my kids. I showed it to my nerdy friends at church. You know, it was just, I, I saw that trailer at least a dozen times, at least. Then after talking with someone, they said, man, I can't believe Mary Elizabeth Winstead is playing Hera. And I said, what? No, I, I watched this trailer a dozen times and I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. That's Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim. That's Huntress from Birds of Prey. You know, it's just, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi's wife. No. I know Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and I did not recognize her. And sure enough, I <laughs> IMD beat it, and I was 100% wrong. It totally is her. Great job on the makeup, guys. Didn't even notice. And it reminded me of this story in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 30. The fact that just because we have seen something a million times before doesn't mean we should stop paying attention. This was right after the resurrection and there were these disciples walking back on the road to Emmaus. And this dude walks up beside them and starts talking to them and it's it's actually Jesus. But they don't recognize him. And he's talking to them, asking them questions, explaining scripture to them, helping them understand, encouraging them. To the point they even invite this dude to go back home to eat with them. And the entire time they were right beside Jesus and didn't recognize him. And in verse 30 through 32, look what it says. It says, when he sat down at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened when, and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Verse 32 says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Y'all, we should be attentive to what's in front of us, because just because we're familiar with something great doesn't mean we won't miss it. If you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head on over to faithandfandom.org, where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcast, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to the Two Words Podcast. So we have a draft coming up. Yeah. Um, they, they. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so we have this draft coming up, and I. 
can this just please, can we just be consistent with this? Because we had a draft, and then they muddled, they, they just mm-hmm. combined everything. Mm-hmm. And then they had another draft, and then they combined everything. <laughs> uh-huh. And now we're having another gra- draft. Uh-huh. And so, like, can we just... Just stick with it. Make it to where I only... Like, I can only see a guy on SmackDown or Raw. Right. Um, but I thought it would be a fun idea because we've done this We've done this one other time in the pilot episode. Was it we the did, pilot? Really? It was the pilot. We did a, uh, we did a draft of every brand if right. we had to restart our own brands. That's right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but this will be just a WWE draft. And so we are going to pick each 10 superstars, um, tag teams as, uh, as with the, um, WWE draft tag teams can count as one. Um, and, uh, I think we are allowing one signing, from a different company, if right. we so choose. Right. Um, so, who's gonna go first? Uh, we can flip a coin. Okay. Got a coin app. Got a coin. Got an app got for coin co- app here. We don't even carry pocket change. Heads or tails, John. Uh, let's go heads. That is heads. You get to go heads. First. Can I also choose that I'm gonna be SmackDown? <laughs> you want to be SmackDown? I just want to sure. be SmackDown. That's fine. I'll be raw. It doesn't really matter, but. Um, <laughs> I like I like the blue aesthetic. Um, well, that's great because for my number one draft pick, I'm stealing the number one draft pick because I know he's probably your number one draft pick as well. I'm going with the man that's going to lead SmackDown in the ratings. I'm going with Cody Rhodes. Dang you. I know. I when I wrote when I typed that, I had to have somebody else uh-huh. that I equally wanted at number one. Uh-huh. Because Man. like there's because like you think about in the roster, there's nobody else that could lead a locker room like Cody Rhodes right now, and I don't know why I feel that way. Yeah, yeah. I just do. All right, all right. I'm I'm gonna go uh, opposite gender here then, and I'm gonna pick Ooh. Rhea Ripley. Dang. <laughs> That's a good pick. That's a good pick. She's on fire, man. She is. I don't have her on my list, but no, Ooh, she's how could you not? She's very good. Well, I had to make room for some I, I have I have trust <laughs> in my women's locker room. Um but I'm I'm diversifying. I'm diversifying here. So um well with my number two pick, I'm gonna pick a guy that while he may be a little older in the business. He's still got a lot of years left in him. I'm talking about the guy who can do bo- who can both wrestle and talk. That's right. I'm talking about L.A. Knight. Yeah. Thank you, sir. He's on my list, but later. He's. Uh. I just. I just. I think what they're doing with him now is absurd. Right. Um. And and I'm booking him. I'm gonna book him right. He's probably going to be Universal Champion sooner rather than later. In reality or for in, me, your, in your thing? For me. Okay. I think he should be in reality, but at I least for me. I don't feel like he, he's going to have it for reality. I'm not sure. But, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> unless we can separate those titles. If we can separate those titles again. All right. Number three, I'm looking towards the future, John. I'm looking towards the up and comer. I'm looking towards the guy that for some reason didn't already get bumped up uh, at the Raw After Mania. Okay. Okay. Come I'm on looking for NXT. Braun Breaker here. <laughs> You human garbage! (laughs) Uh, 
he's number seven on my list, but I swear he was the guy. LA he was, was the number seven future. <laughs> oh, he is the future of my list, man. I love that pick, man. Yeah. I am. He's going to be great. I am very. Um, I mean, he's already been great. Because I started picking my list, and I'm like, man, I got a lot of old dudes on my list. <laughs> I need somebody who's going to be alive in six years. But anyway, okay, well, uh, <laughs> since you did that to me, I'm going to do this to you. Because oh, I know that I'm doing it to you. I know oh. that this one's going to hurt you in your list. Don't do it. I'm taking a tag team. I'm taking the future of the tag team division. <laughs> Because I want the smoke. I'm taking the street profits at number three. Dang it. John Berkey. Oh, yeah. Because I can split, because I can keep them together for as long as I want, and then I can split them up whenever I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And they'll both be wonderful singles division for me. All right. I'm still looking towards the future as well. Current champion, though, but future main eventer, Austin Theory. Nice. A town down. I, I like Austin Theory. He's, I'm coming around gonna, to Austin gonna Theory. Fun. He's going to be fun guy. He's going to be. A fun I'd guy like to see him get bigger, like bulkier. Okay, I don't Vince. know why. Whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I find myself thinking that all the time, and I'm like, ah, why am I so concerned with their body type? Listen to that TikTok of Vince McMahon's top five <laughs> WrestleMania dream matches. Almost versus almost. Versus almost, versus almost. almost. <laughs> Special tag team referee. Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know what? I am going to look a little bit to the future. Um, now, I, I am breaking up a stable. I'm breaking up a faction to do this. Um, but I really don't want anybody else in that faction because you already have a member of that faction. I am going to take the future of big man wrestling with Damian Priest. Oh, okay. Okay. Whew. Okay. I thought you were going to a different faction. Then you said I already had someone in it. And then I yeah, no, I'm going to take okay, Damian good. Priest. I think Damian Priest. Damian Priest he's, is good. He's a young guy, He's but he's, he's, he's big, but he's very athletic, and I think he's only going up. I agree with that. Um, I, I think maybe in the same bracket, okay. a little higher up, though, I'm also breaking up a stable for this. Gunther. 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 That like. man is going to be a universal champion at some point. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be a dominant foreign just agent. slapping. Just slapping people <laughs> all of the time. It's going to be amazing. Um, so at my number five, he's going to have a special entrance um, when I announce him. Because um, I'm going to need like 19 tuba players. Because I'm taking... Samoa Joe. I am signing Samoa oh, Joe wow. back into the WWE. Okay. And he is going to be SmackDown. I think watching him and Cody Rhodes will be amazing. I think watching him and Damian Priest will be amazing. Yeah. I have always been about Samoa Joe. Yeah. Okay. So okay. he is my he is my one one resign. All right. Well, I'm coming from another company as well here. Not a resign though. First time in the WWE. Oh. Oh. Gonna give the Miz run for his money. It's MJF. I knew you were gonna the take new, MJF. The new heel of the century. I knew you were gonna take. I want to take MJF, <laughs> but I just because I almost 
took the Miz too. I'm not taking I'm, the Miz. I'm gonna be honest. I almost put the Miz on my list yeah. as well, just because you um, need that kind of character. But, but I also have enough forty year olds. <laughs> <laughs> like I have enough. He's been around forever. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um. So for my what am I number six? Um. That was yeah. my number five. So yeah, yeah, I'll be on my number six. On my number six, I'm looking at the future of the women's division now. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm looking at somebody that I think could be big. Will be big, um, as long as I never make her jump out of another birthday cake. I am taking Liv Morgan. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You I think Liv Morgan is the future of that division, and nobody seems to care. I got you. All right. Well, there's one thing, maybe MGF aside, but there's one thing that my team so far is lacking. And that is an an audacious sense of style. (laughs) And that's why I have to pick Seth freaking Rollins. (laughs) He was going to be my other number one. Just need I just need whatever that is, man. In a deflated hot air balloon, <laughs> like it was just, like it was his normal Tuesday. Just, <laughs> this is just how I came to work today, man. Not putting on anything crazy. Not doing anything nuts. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. Um. I I only have Liv Morgan in my women's division so far, and let's face it, the Street Profits might get a little lonely. Okay. And so I'm signing the EST of WWE. All right. I'm taking Bianca Belair. I saw that coming. I saw that coming. All right. That's right. Need somebody to just ragdoll Liv Morgan. (laughs) Just throw her around. Just break her arm off and beat her with it. My women's division also a little light right now. And uh, while maybe not looking towards the future so much, if you take a look at her father, he's been around for 187 years. I mean, and really? Wrestling. And so I can only expect the same thing from Charlotte Flair. Beautiful. <laughs> Keep, keeping Charlotte and... Uh, She's the draw, man. Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Um, I mean, you could that could be the only match mm-hmm. in the women's division for a very long time. <laughs> I don't think anybody care. <laughs> um, let's see. So I've got seven. I've got three more. I'm just taking a look at my list. Do I really want? Okay. Okay, so um, I'm going to take a guy that since day one on this podcast I've been a big fan of. Um, I, I need a guy that's going to that's gonna bring a little bit of oddity to okay, okay. to the to the to the roster. Um, the the guy that shows up and can strike genuine fear into the hearts of everyone. Um, and because honestly, I thought that you were going to take Bray Wyatt first. Um, I'm taking Dexter Loomis. I have been a I have been a Dexter Loomis fan since minute one. <sighs> He's good. Uh, In fact, the very first podcast, very our pilot episode, back to the pilot yeah, episode, I tried, was. I did a spotlight on, on Dexter, Dexter Loomis. Loomis. It was the only one I ever did, and I didn't even know who he was at the time. Yep. Um, I did not pick Bray Wyatt. You did not. Because I am not very happy with Bray Wyatt right now. So Bray Wyatt has not wowed me uh, since returning. So 
I don't know if he's got anything left. So I'm going to go towards someone who I know has a lot left in the chamber and is just waiting for that chamber to explode. Tommaso Champa. He's... He's, he's coming. When he comes back, it's going to be good. Uh, just it better not be in those <laughs> lime green shorts. <laughs> what have y'all done to my right. boy? I need Tommaso back as Tommaso. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I need... I need I need that guy back. Well, if Dexter Loomis is going to be at number eight, then my number nine pick, I need uh, a, another I need another tag team to, to wind this out. But keeping in my style of wanting singles competitors, I'm taking Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Okay. okay. Now, I don't have to take the championships with them. I don't care about that. Right. Um, because we did, we did kind of discuss... Well, that's, I mean, that's one reason I left him off. I thought we were just leaving Roman Reigns. Oh. And, and, uh, Would you have off. picked Roman Reigns? Probably. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's my fault for not clarifying, not asking the questions. I but typed them out it. and then read them, and I only just now realized that I actually said that. <laughs> and I said, ah, champions will be kind of kind of floating. Because they're combining championships, so right, it's not yeah, really you can't, like, you, can't. you know, I don't want to pick a guy just because he's a certain champion, yeah. you know. But I'll um, give it to you. Go ahead. You, no, you picked Gunther. But he's not a floating champion. IC title stays on one, U.S. title stays on the other. Fine, whatever. <laughs> I'll break up the titles. I don't care. They can just be SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Say, Go ahead. Yes. I'm not Found giving me. you any grief about it. I'm saying it's fine. <laughs> just let me have it. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> Are you done talking about them? No, I think we're good. <sighs> all right. Number nine. A year ago, if you'd asked me if I'd ever put this guy on a list, I'd say absolutely not. I would sooner burn my entire uh, company to the ground. Wow. But Logan Paul, how can you not right now? How can you how not? How can you not? How Every can you not? Every match he's had. Banger. <sighs> so. Yeah. The only problem is, is that, like, I didn't want to put part-time guys on my on my list. Well, the, the, which is why I also wouldn't have signed Roman Reigns. Yeah, rumor is his new contract is much more frequent. Okay. So hopefully, okay, okay. Well, that's good. No, I like that. I like that for for what you got. Um, well, so so my final pick mm-hmm. um, is not. We're we're not we're not doing last place. <laughs> But what I need is a little bit of levity. Oh no, you're gonna take my guy. I need a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of humor. Oh no. A little bit of brightness. No, no. A little bit of fun. Oh yeah. I'm taking Otis, baby. Oh, you didn't take my guy. (laughs) I really thought you were gonna go for it, because my number ten for the same reasons is Rick Boo! Rick Boo! There's no other reason to sign Rick Boogs. <laughs> no other reason. So I had uh, the Usos on my list, but I also had the Street Profits. And I'm like, I'm not going to just pick one tag team. So I don't have any tag teams on my list. I was, uh, so if you had taken the Street Profits, I was going to take New Day. Yeah, I didn't think to make a backup tag team. I don't know why. So the I, Usos was the, the one that's off my list. And the only other person I had on there was Alexa Bliss because, well. 
So I had Braun Breaker. Um, I had Baron Corbin on my list too, but I but I was gonna make him go back to the Lone Wolf. Oh, okay. Stuff. I'll take that. I take um, Lone Wolf because I could not. And I also had Nikki Cross as as a backup ladies competitor. This is fun. Um, but yeah, so so I have Cody Rhodes, L.A. Knight. Street Profits, Damian Priest, Samoa Joe, Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, Dexter Loomis, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and Otis. I have Rhea Ripley, Braun Breaker, Austin Theory, Gunther, MJF, Seth freaking Rollins, Charlotte Flair, Tommaso Ciampa, Logan Paul, and Rick Boogs. Somehow I feel like we've, <sighs> we've put together teams. good yeah. good shows. Decent, decent I would watch both of these shows. <laughs> I would watch Raw and SmackDown. It's going to be great. I'm happy with this. I'm it's going to be great. Well, uh, that let us know uh, in in the comments. Let us know uh, on our on our socials at Two Words LTN uh, what you think of our list, or maybe uh, if there's somebody on our list that you think we definitely overlooked, um, let us know. And when we come back, we're playing a little what if. So keep it here. week in nerd history geraldo strikes out nerd history. al capone was a notable criminal figure and gangster in chicago running gambling alcohol and prostitution rackets in the early 1900s after orchestrating an assassination attempt on former head johnny torrio capone took control of the chicago outfit organized crime syndicate and was placed on the fbi's most wanted list he was sentenced to prison over income tax evasion in 1931 and died in his home in 1947. Capone had previously housed his headquarters at the nearby Metropole Hotel in Chicago, but in July 1928 moved to a suite in the Lexington Hotel, also in Chicago. Capone ran his various enterprises from this hotel until his arrest in 1931. A construction company in the 1980s planned a renovation of the Lexington Hotel, and while surveying the building discovered a shooting range and a series of secret tunnels, including one hidden behind Capone's medicine cabinet. These tunnels connected taverns and brothels to provide an elaborate potential escape route in case of police raid. These discoveries led to further investigation of this hotel, notably by researcher Harold Rubin. Rumors said Capone had kept a very secret vault beneath the hotel to hold some of his wealth. On April 21st, 1986, Geraldo Rivera hosted a special live two-hour event called The Mystery of Al Capone's Vaults, which had been greatly hyped as potentially revealing great riches or dead bodies on live television. This included the presence of a medical examiner should bodies be found and agents from the IRS to collect any of Capone's money that might be discovered. When the vault was finally opened, the only thing found inside were dirt and several empty bottles, including one Rivera claimed was for moonshine bath tub gin. After several attempts to dig further into the vault, Geraldo admitted defeat and voiced his disappointment to the viewers, apologizing as he thanked the excavation team for their efforts. Although it gathered criticism and became infamous for its disappointing ending, the program was the most watched syndicated television special that year, with an estimated audience of 30 million people. With this event, Rivera had inadvertently launched a no-news form of news, where instead of reporting on news, entire programs were devoted to possible and hypothetical news. Included in this style of news broadcasting is news channels counting down and hyping up upcoming news events, like a presidential briefing discussing what might be 
news in the future. That's right, the mind-numbing 24-hour news cycle essentially started when Geraldo Rivera struck out in Al Capone's vault. There was nothing in Al Capone's vault, but it wasn't Geraldo's fault. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more... Welcome back to the Two Words Podcast, where we're playing a little bit of what if. There's always these moments in wrestling history that you wonder, what if that went just a smidge different? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a couple. Matt has one that he has warned me <laughs> is, it's, it's, is it's, it's in, in depth, in, in, <laughs> in standard uh, radio Matt fashion. <laughs> Um, way too involved. <laughs> it's the Pepe Silva me- meme. I, I had two. I had two of them, but I could not get done with the first one to get to the second one. Well, so I didn't want to be here all day. That's fair. That's fair. So uh, so I'll go first, and then uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, in on what kind of sandwich yours in there. Sounds good. Um, so my first what if is is kind of a question of... How? What would we have gotten if this had happened? And my what if is, what if Stone Cold had stayed healthy? Mm. Stone Cold had retired in 2003, largely due in part to a neck injury he sustained during a match with Owen Hart in 1997. But what if he had stayed healthy? What if Owen had held him just another two inches higher? I submit a couple of things. There might not be a John Cena. Hmm. John Cena would exist. Sure, I'm not. I'm not because he was alive. But there would be no reason for John Cena to have come out. We had Stone Cold. Right. There would. Um, I, I think that the Rob's. Uh, I think the second big thing that would have happened is I think the Rock's absence would have had a significantly less uh, impact mm-hmm. than it did when he went to go do those movies. I don't think right. anybody would have even cared. I don't think anybody would have noticed if Stone Cold was still around. But if you have both of those guys missing starting in 2004, mm-hmm. you've lost everything. Um, a couple of matches, I think, would have been really, really great to see. Uh, if somehow John Cena had come up um, and started the Ruthless Aggression era, which I understand did start a little bit before he debuted, but... Um, because honestly, in all honesty, the John Cena Kurt Angle thing happened before Stone Cold's retirement. It did. So it's not a hundred percent fair, but we would not have been looking to give John Cena as many chances right. afterwards. Um, but I still think that John Cena and The Rock would have been not John Cena and The Rock. John Cena and Stone Cold would have been so much fun to watch. I think that that going back and forth between them would have been. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that John, that uh, I can't get these names right. I think that Stone Cold versus Randy Orton would have been a lot of fun. I think that Randy Orton could have been his retirement match. Yeah. Keeping in that legend killer vibe. Because in, in this in this scenario, I, I think Stone Cold, he retired at 39. He had to have had 10 more years in him. Mm-hmm. Putting him at what, 2013? Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's a significant chunk of wrestling that he could have been involved in. Uh, I think that him and CM Punk could have gone for years. Yeah. Just back and forth. Because both Maybe of them can talk, <laughs> and neither one of them have the most orthodox style of wrestling. Right. You're making me real sad. I know. <laughs> it made all me sad things, to write all this. All these things that could have happened. I think a Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold 2 could have happened. That would have been fun. And if it would have been half as good as the first one, would have been amazing. Um, you know, uh, I think that the Ruthless Aggression era would have just been off the chain. I mean, it would have been ridiculous if Owen Hart had lifted him up two more inches. Yeah. And I don't blame Owen Hart. I mean, people slip, you know? Oh, yeah. I've wrestled with my kid, and I've I've, I've been, (laughs) you know? Broke your neck twice. I I just, you know. (laughs) You ever done that? You ever been wrestling with your, play wrestling with your kid, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, no, thankfully, I have yet to injure my child while wrestling. I've gotten close. A couple close calls, but... Ellie Ellie really loves to... Uh, she'll watch that episode of Bluey um, where Bingo has to find her big girl bark. Mm. And so, yeah. And so Ellie goes, you play too rough. I'm like, I'm playing exactly how we've been playing for 30 minutes. <laughs> but whatever, kid. So that's my, that's my first what if. What if Stone Cold had stayed healthy? I think we would have gotten... So many more fun matches. Yeah. Um, and I think that you would have killed TNA in a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, squash them like bugs. It's something I didn't really realize until maybe mid 2010s. But Stone Cold really didn't wrestle all that long in the WWE. Nope. Compared to most wrestlers. Nope. Most wrestlers last. He was there for five while. years. And he had, yeah. he had what, two WWE championship? runs i think he might have just had one no i think there were two maybe three google that i'm gonna to google it i need to know now um but they were long yeah there were a couple of the long ones <sighs> see that's the weird thing about because they always tout that number of how many titles you've won as the big deal when it really should be how long you held the title yeah. Because Charlotte Flair has technically had, what, like 15? Oh, yeah. Titles already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that, that shouldn't be. <laughs> she shouldn't be almost equal with her dad in amount of titles won. In, in six years. Right. right. I mean. <laughs> Any um, well, I'm just, Wikipedia has given me all this information I don't need. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll set up mine go with, here. Go with, go with yours, Mel. So my, my what if, the big one that I wanted to do, was what if Jey Uso turned on the bloodline at WrestleMania 39? This is a really recent story. But I, I want to lay it out. I laid out in the live stream what I was hoping was going to happen as we were recording. But I haven't done it in the podcast. So those of you who didn't catch that, let me just recap what I was hoping was going to happen. Hold up. Because this number will surprise you. Uh, uh, this article from the this title... The, yeah. I am surprised. This <laughs> title of an article from Bleacher Report uh, uh, claims Stone Cold Steve Austin's six WWE championship victories. Okay. That actually sounds so, more accurate. Yeah. You just threw me off by saying two, maybe only but one. Again, but like, again, like... 
in a very short, we romanticize Stone Cold's contribution. Right. But it was really only like six years in the WWE, WWE, yeah. and you don't really even even not all of those were great. Yeah, the first year was kind of a bust. Yeah, and like we, I was noticing, we do the same thing with Hulk Hogan because <clears throat> while Hulk Hogan wrestled for like forty years, he only stayed with certain companies for a few years, right? At a time, he was never he was never a stable, right? Well, and it anyway, was before, it was kind of before TV too. Yeah. Weekly TV. Anyway. anyway, so what if... What if Jey Uso, Jey Uso turned, turned on the bloodline? So here's what I was hoping was going to happen. Uh, my hopes and dreams for that match with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn was that we were going to find out Jay was a, a double agent, essentially. That during the time that he was away, he and Sami came to an agreement on how they were going to do this and let him know that he was going to have to beat him up beat Sammy up a little bit on the TV, make sure all the bloodline trusted that he was still a part of the team. They were going to have a pretty decent match while Jay was kind of taking it easier on, on Sammy and Kevin Owens, but trying not to make it look that way to the point where Jimmy is worn out. Jay is going to lay out Jimmy. And then in a mirror image of what happened at war games, when Sammy took out KO and then, you know, laid out the red carpet for Roman to go pin uh, Kevin Owens when he was being, you know, sussed as not a real part of the team. Jay would do the same thing. Knock out Jimmy and then lay out the red carpet for Sammy to come pin them, take the titles. And then <clears throat> Sammy and Kevin would get up and celebrate and Jay would just walk up the ramp. Sammy would eventually stop and look up at Jay, who would turn onto the stage and does the, you know, we the ones finger thing up in the air. Sammy does it too. This is a signifier of job accomplished. We were in this together. Now we are parting ways. Mm. Next night, during the Roman Cody match at WrestleMania, Solo and Jimmy come out to attack Cody, but Sammy and Kevin chase them out of the arena. As the match continues, Cody begins to get the upper hand. The ref gets knocked out. Heyman tosses the universal belt into Roman. Roman knocks Cody out with it, tosses it out, and pins him, but the ref is still out. Roman gets up and stares at the ramp, waiting for a new ref, when Jay slides in from behind and hits Roman across the back with a chair. Jay pulls Cody on top of Roman. The original ref stirs and begins to count. Roman kicks out, but this is the beginning of the end as Cody manages enough energy to hit the crossroads and get the pen. Cody wins. The match feels fair since each illegal action was met with an equal and opposite one. And this is essentially a clean loss for Roman, which wouldn't have happened without Jay's help. Jay stood at the top of the ramp again and watches Cody celebrated in the ring, and Roman slowly comes to watching Cody celebrate and then turns to see Jay. He climbs out of the ring and begins a long walk to Jay. Jay meets him halfway on the ramp and then lays him out. <sighs> and that is how that ends. That's how WrestleMania ends. Cody celebrating in the ring, Jay laying out Roman in the middle of the ramp. And now we've broken up the bloodline. Now we've broken up. The now we've given we've, Roman we've... Reigns time off. No, not yet. Hold on. I got, hold on. Oh, I got okay. so much more. Oh, oh okay. So much more. <laughs> not time off just yet. Uh, on the Raw after Mania, Jay comes out and explains himself. He admits that family had blinded him for too long, but Roman was not the head of the table because being head of the table would mean he knew how to protect the table. Instead, he used us as human shields, made us do his dirty work, and forced us to pull his butt out of the fire in most of his matches. And then he took all the credit for it. But he was so insecure, he forced all of us to prove ourselves over and over again, and I've had enough. 
It's always been in the back of my mind. Hell in a Cell, 2020. I was never going to say I quit, but he threatened to really hurt my brother and take him out. So I did what family do. (laughs) I know that's how he's going to say it, right? I did what family do. And we felt like we had no choice but to fall in line. But that is all Roman has ever done since. Put one of us in a chokehold to prove ourselves to him. And then Sammy Uso came. And I don't even remember how he weaseled his way into the bloodline, but he won us all over. And he proved himself over and over and over again. And when Roman tried to force him to end Kevin Owens' career, pushing him around, manipulating him, Roman put the target on his own back and Sammy handed the, and handed Sammy the loaded gun. Sammy had no other choice. I took off. Most shows, I was at home or at a hotel watching the show. What was it that the wise man said? Sometimes you see things on TV that you don't see when you're here live. And I watched Roman treat my brother like dirt, plotting to take his anger towards me out on him. More and more manipulation. And here would be where Jay plays clips of what Roman has said every time Jimmy left the room. Roman has manipulated his way into power and kept it by forcing us to stay in line or be punished. Well, at WrestleMania, I said I quit again. But this time, I quit being taken advantage of in the name of family. The tag championships, the WWE championship, the Universal Championship, they are exactly where they need to be right now, out of bloodline hands. Roman's music plays. Out walks Roman, flanked by an angry Jimmy, Solo, and Heyman. Roman gives this long, impassioned speech about, after everything I've done for you, blah, 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 blah. Jay interrupts, what have you done for me? What have you done for me? Thank you so much for having the wise man cater seafood to the jet every week so you could send us away to get out of your hair. Beyond the salmon, Oose, what on earth have you done for me? Jimmy takes the mic and goes on a how could you do this to me speech. Roman cuts him off. Who cares about your little tag titles? He cost me my thousand day reign. Jimmy briefly looks offended, but falls in line. Roman challenges Jay to a no DQ match at Backlash. Loser leaves SmackDown. Just like his match with Daniel Bryan in 2021, I believe. Jay accepts. Over the course of the next three weeks, Jay is approached by Cody, Sammy, and even a hesitant KO, all saying that they will have his back at Backlash. Jay thanks them all, but says he's got to do this on his own. Meanwhile, Roman and the rest of the bloodline stay off TV, leaving Paul Heyman to be the only voice each week coming to the ring to hype up the real skill of Roman Reigns. Each week, he's interrupted by Cody, Sammy, or KO, but never by Jay. Finally, it's the SmackDown before Backlash. Roman and Jay face each other in a contract signing. Jimmy, Solo, and the Wise Men are flanking Roman. Jay is standing alone. After the signing, Roman stands up, looks at Jay's signature, turns to walk out, and says, do it. Solo attacks Jay. Jimmy moves like he's going to, but he hangs back, which gets Roman's attention. Solo lays out Jay. Roman asks Jimmy, what's wrong with you? And Jimmy just said, Solo's got this. He got him. And walks out ahead of the rest of the bloodline. Roman is visibly uneasy with this. The next night is Backlash. Told you this was involved. Roman and Jay have a hellacious match, taking them all around the arena, backstage, back to the ring. Roman has suffered far too many two counts for his comfort. In run Solo and Jimmy. However, Solo is once again the only one to attack Jay. And Jay lays bloodied. Jimmy pulls Solo off of him. They get into each other's faces with Jimmy yelling, he's had enough. Roman sees this and is furious. He grabs Jimmy to turn him around, and on instinct, Jimmy swings at Roman, knocking him down. Roman is shocked. His lip is busted, and Jimmy is saying, it was an accident. It was an accident. 
KO and Sammy come out and tackle Solo two on one, beating him up as they fight, leaving the arena. Jay and Roman both stand up with Jimmy in the middle, waiting for one or both of them to attack him. He looks back and forth to try to decide where his loyalties lie. Roman, visibly losing it, runs to Jimmy, who ducks a clothesline from Roman, scoops Roman up, and connects a 1D with Jay. Jay then pins Roman 1, 2, 3. Roman must leave SmackDown. Jay attempts to celebrate with Jimmy, but Jimmy is still confused. He didn't really want any of this. He doesn't attack Jay, but he doesn't celebrate either. Instead, he walks out on his own. Roman now is gone. Gets his break that he was supposed to be getting. He's off TV for several months. In the meantime... Jay and Solo have a back-and-forth rivalry for a while. Jimmy, all the while, is refusing to be in anyone's corner. He can't forgive Jay for turning on him, uh, and Paul Heyman makes it clear that Roman will never forgive him for turning on Roman at Backlash. Jimmy is a man without a friend. Over the months, we see him actively avoiding anyone from the bloodline, interviews, anything. He works as a singles competitor, goes out, wins matches, and leaves without a hand raised or an after-match interview. Cut to one month before SummerSlam. WWE is holding their draft. That's right. I'm postponing the draft till right before SummerSlam. First draft pick to Raw, Roman Reigns. Second draft pick to Raw, Jey Uso, who is now the Intercontinental Champion. I didn't need to put that whole story in there, but over this time, he's won the Intercontinental Championship. Third draft to Raw. He beat, he beat, he beat your prized German. <laughs> he did. Jimmy Uso, third pick to Raw. Roman demands his rematch with Cody Rhodes, who eventually grants it. Jimmy challenges Jay to an IC match. The Raw before Backlash. I'm not, not Backlash, I'm sorry. The Raw before um, SummerSlam. Roman is seen talking to LA Knight, current holder of the Money in the Bank briefcase. I don't need to add that story either. I just, <laughs> just what's going to happen? <clears throat> um, com- uh, the commentators say that it looks like Roman is threatening LA Knight to not intervene in, at SummerSlam, to not cash it in in the Cody Roman match. SummerSlam, Jimmy and Jay are the opening match. After a great exchange for 10 minutes, Roman Reigns comes out and spears them both, then motions to the back, outruns LA Knight, who cashes in his money in the bank and becomes a triple threat for the IC title. Knight pins Jimmy, wins, and takes off with the belt. Both Usos sit up, dumbfounded at what just happened. Main event, a five-star match between Roman and Cody is going on. At one point, the Usos run out to assist Cody, but Cody turns around and tells them, to stop, that he will fight his own battles, which, of course, is a distraction long enough for Roman to ready up his Superman punch. Roman pins Cody and wins back the Undisputed Championship. Jimmy and Jay stand dumbfounded on the ramp when Solo Sequoia, Sequoia, how do you say it? Sequoia? Sequoia. Sequoia. Strikes them from behind. Solo and Heyman join Roman in the ring and all strike an intimidating pose as Michael Cole announces the head of the table is back on top. Who is left to challenge Roman Reigns? Suddenly lights go out in the arena. and The crowd begins to swell with mysterious anxiety. If you smell, the crowd loses their absolute minds. The rock trots out of the platform and walks from side to side, causing each side of the arena to get crazier. And he stares down Roman Reigns as the show fades to black. From there, the Usos reform as a tag team, but as a face one for now and joins the rocks table. This leads to a six month build up to WrestleMania 40. Who is the real head of the table? And I'll stop it there. That's amazing. Are you paying attention to this, Hunter? <laughs> Can I be a WWE writer, please? Tell me we wouldn't lose our minds. Oh, my goodness. every step of the Just, way. Just, 
That's a good story. That's a good story. <laughs> I should have let you go last. I don't have anything near that fun. <laughs> I don't. Why is it you always... Like, and you've been doing this for years. You take my ideas and you do them so much better than I could have ever done them. I just, I'm just passionate. You are. No, you're just so like, yeah, I'm just telling you like the radio Matt is the most creative human being I've ever met in my entire life. All right. So here's the deal. And this is something you might not know about me. When I was in eighth grade, me and a few online friends started like an online wrestling federation thing with with all our favorite wrestlers from all the different uh, companies. Yeah. And we each created full-on scripts for shows and pay-per-views exactly in this format. And then we'd each take turns like reading it like we're doing it right now and so we had people who would be betting on who was going to win and all this kind of stuff we had like a, a good little community of people that were invested in how we were gonna write all this stuff out like fan yeah. fiction essentially fan fiction yeah. wrestling and so i did that for a solid nine months and i had a lot of fun doing it awesome. and so this feels like it brought me back to that i need you to like i need like a wrestling uh like RPG and I need you to be the dungeon master <laughs> or the ring master or whatever it is. I also, why do they not have one? They got to have one of those. I'm sure there is. I also wrote with two other people <coughs> full on scripts for a fan fiction that combined wrestling and star Trek. <laughs> and it was called wrestle Trek. And I have all of my, episodes in the folder. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. There's a Amazon has a game called Worldwide Wrestling the Role Playing Game. Oh yeah. And it looks cheesy. <laughs> of course it does. But I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um that was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed watching Raw. <laughs> well, so my what if doesn't really go with a storyline. My what if answers a question I think we've all been trying to answer. We've all wondered this at one point or another. What if Sting had signed with the WWE in 2001? Now, we're all aware that Sting could have signed with the WWE in 2001, and there were several negotiations to make that happen, but it seems in the 11th hour, it all just kind of fell through with no explanation from either side. But what if he had? And my presumption is this. If Sting had signed with the WWE, Kofi Kingston would have never become WWE champion. Mm. Now, so after Sting chose not to sign with the WWE, he floated around with the World Wrestling All-Stars before joining the Jeff Jarrett Project Total Nonstop Action in 2003. Now, before his signing in 2003, TNA's roster was absolutely full of nobodies. <laughs> sure, there were a couple of, of stars like Sabu, Raven, Gangrel, Road Dog, and D'Lo, uh, 
along with future megastars like AJ Styles, CM Punk, and Christopher Daniels. But there was nobody that was going to carry that brand. There was absolutely nobody that anybody actually cared about in the wrestling community. Um, and sorry to the, all the aforementioned stars, but you get it. That is... Until they signed Sting in 2003. Now, it took a couple of years, but that gave them enough traction to eventually sign the likes of Kurt Angle, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Goldust, Christian Cage, Booker T. Now, I mentioned the future megastars, and one of those future megastars that, that it was eventually signed in, w, in TNA was one Austin Creed in 2007. Creed revealed that he had secured a spot uh, one time in an interview with Deep South Wrestling, which was a developmental territory of WWE. But three months later, Deep South shut down and Austin Creed went to TNA in 2007 from 2007 to 2010. Now, I think I propose that without those three years in TNA, uh, he would have never signed Two, I think it was two or one, one or two years later with NXT mm. um, to do their developmental. You would have never, uh, he would have never met up, met back up with Kofi Kingston because they had met shortly in, uh, in Deep South. They would have never formed New Day. New Day would have never gained the traction that it it would have, and you would have had three megastars that faded off into nothingness. Mm. Biggie Langston was not Biggie Langston before the New Day. That's right. He could have been. We all saw that he was going to be a big star, but he was not going to be the New Day star that he became. Kofi Kingston was losing traction before New Day. He was. All three of those guys started New Day to keep their jobs, and that's from them. That's not from me. (laughs) (laughs) So without Sting... Making TNA a formidable place to wrestle, a legitimate place to wrestle, because Sting does not get enough credit because he seems to be the only person. And this is this comes from somebody who was not a huge wrestling fan in 2002. (laughs) But. Even I knew who Sting was, and yeah. he never wrestled in the WWE. He is the only person from WCW that I really actually knew who that was, with the exception of like Hulk Hogan, because like everybody knows who Hulk Hogan was, but he was also in the WWF before. Yeah. Um, so I think without that notoriety, I think that without him bringing everything he brought to the table, uh, you would have never had TNA. TNA would have shut down in a couple of years or become the shell of a company that it is now. And you would have never gotten Austin Creed getting that chance to eventually become Xavier Woods. Yeah. You also would have never had the most, I think most importantly, we would have never had the Steiner math promo. And do you want to live in that world? Because I don't. I mean, yeah, and, and, and I looked like I looked at the roster, and there's a, there's a there's a website where you can go and see what the roster looked like on any given day of the year in that at, at that time, and it's like literally in 2003 there was nobody, and then in 2005 it was everybody. Like it, that place was bananas in 2006. So, yep. 
Thank you, Sting. You're right. We would not. <laughs> I feel like, and I kind of feel like Robert Zemeckis, um, who wrote uh, Forrest Gump and Back to Back the Future, future. Yeah. Um, because there's a, there's a theory that like the only reason he did that was to give white people credit for the accomplishments of black people. <laughs> I feel like it did that, but I, I think that at the very least, hey, at the very least, this is your cousin Marvin, you know, Marvin Barry, Marvin Barry, you know, that new sound you're looking for, well, there listen was, to this. There was, there was an episode of Cracked After Hours where one of them was like, I would not imagine, I can Im only imagine that like the sequels to Back to the Future were just him being like, hey, George Washington Carver, pick up those peanuts. Hey, Michael Jordan, pick up that basketball. Like, <laughs> that, that's it. Well, those oh answer at least my, some of my questions about what if. Obviously, there are many, many more, but uh, let us know what your favorite what if scenario is. Go into as much detail, detail as you can. Get excited about it, as excited as we are about it, and then go and write us a paragraph of things to read uh, in any of our socials at two words LTN. Uh, that's on any of our socials. I don't know. I mean, Facebook, I guess, would be the only place you could write a long... I mean, you could do a whole thread in Twitter. It's fine. You could do a whole thread in Twitter. Do a whole thread in Twitter. Do it. <laughs> Just throw it up there. Make it happen. Um, uh, but that's our show for today. And so uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, there's no major pay-per-views coming up, right? I mean, it's Backlash. Backlash. Is that this weekend? I think it's next weekend. Next weekend? Backlash before our next show, anyway. Uh, so we'll talk about that probably on the 4th. It might be. Well, when is Backlash? Backlash would have to be before the brand split, right? Maybe. It's May 6th, so it's not until... Oh, it's, it's not, not for May It's 6th? not for another, like, okay, three so weeks. it's after. Yeah. So we will... Uh, We'll, we'll watch that, give you our thoughts, I'm sure. Um, but and only two more shows. Two more but shows. Only two more shows. Season. Well, until then, my name is John, his name is Matt, and if you're not down with that, we got two words for you.